Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 150, 150, and I have a guest for you today. But first, let's have a chat. It's been a hot minute. I am still in Australia. I have been here for two weeks. Oh, it's been a wild time. I thought I would just update you a little bit about what's going on. And then we're going to talk all about fertility, progesterone and minerals with Lauren Della Cruz. Isn't that such a cool name? Lauren is from Innate Nutrition and it's her second time on the podcast and it's a great conversation today. But before we jump in, hi, hi, how are you? So I arrived in Australia two weeks ago, took me about four days to sync up my rhythm. <laughs> uh, it was It was four days of waking up at 3.30, 4 a.m., going to bed, 7.30, 8 p.m. But after four days, I got myself into a rhythm. I would wake up and sit out on my front porch, uh, watch the sunrise, get sun in my eyes, drink coffee, have breakfast, and then I would go to the gym. Then for the first week, I actually took the whole week off. Just spent time with my family, with my nieces and my nephews. Uh, I got sun, I trained and just connected with them. And then I went to Newcastle last weekend. Oh, that was a big weekend. So I got up at 5 a.m. on Friday morning, drove to Newcastle, which is about five hours away from where I live, where my family is. And then I filmed a video with Cody, who is a, he's an amazing videographer in Newcastle. And so Saturday, uh, Friday, I spent uh, most of the day just getting ready for that and planning that. And then we met on Friday afternoon at 5.30 and we filmed a video for Warrior School on Friday night. So we were filming from about five till nine, uh, which was so much fun. We did some stuff outside, uh, some stuff in the gym, and I'm really excited to share this little project that we created together. I've seen a couple of little sneak peeks and it looks epic. Uh, And I'll, I'll talk more about it when it comes out. But it was, yeah, it was a really cool project to work on. I'm really excited to release it to you and share it with you. And then on Saturday morning, got up at 5.30 for the sunrise and swam in the ocean with a couple of the girls that I was staying with from Creator Club. And then we spent a full day working on our business, connecting with other amazing business owners and creatives So we did that from 9 till 4.30 on Saturday, and it was epic. There is one of my favorite things, I think, in the world is being in a room full of people who are 
so inspiring. The energy was just electric. And I rode a high for a couple of days after that experience. But we worked all on the vision for our business. We did some character development stuff, which I'm actually going to do a podcast episode for you and talk a little bit about that work. Uh, I'm in the process of doing some of that for my reinvention uh, personally and through Warrior School, which is still going on uh, in the background amongst everything else that's going on right now. Uh, And so I really want to talk about vision and character design and fantasy with you. So I'm I'm planning a couple of podcast episodes on those very cool topics. Uh, and then Sunday, I had the pleasure of recording a podcast with my coach, my business coach, John Marsh. I went to his house and got to be interviewed on the podcast by him. So if you haven't listened to it, there is a post on, on the gram uh, and it's a really cool conversation about my business journey, about Warrior School, about the work that we do in Warrior School. And I talk a little bit about what's to come uh, for the future, for 2023. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening next year. Applications closed for Warrior School yesterday, the 20th of November for 2022. Uh They will reopen in January next year, and she's going to be a big, massive year. Then for the next couple of weeks, I'm just, I'm at home spending time with my parents, with my sisters, with my nieces and my nephews, uh, soaking up sunshine. I'm doing a bit of work. Uh, I'm on a reduced schedule, so it's kind of nice. I I wake up, uh, I train. And then I work for, you know, four or five hours in the middle of the day. And then I spend time with my family uh, in the afternoon and evening time. Then I fly to Sydney on Saturday and I'm spending the weekend with Kitty Blomfield, Leela Lutz and Libby Westcombe. Uh, And that's going to be epic. To be in a room full of those inspiring, powerful women. I'm so excited. So I'll keep you posted on that uh, very cool experience that we're going to have this weekend. And then I quickly fly to Melbourne to see uh, a couple of my really good girlfriends before I fly out next Wednesday. So a lot going on. And I haven't actually done a podcast episode for a while But I have an episode for you today. We're going to talk about fertility, progesterone, and minerals with Lauren Della Cruz. She is the creator of Innate Nutrition, and I wanted to put her in the hot seat today to talk about fertility, progesterone, and minerals. She's about to launch 2.0 of Conscious Conception, which is her online course for fertility and preconception. She's also developing a male fertility course, which we speak a little bit about at the start, which is very cool. Uh, And in the episode today, we talk a lot about progesterone and how we can improve the production and utilization of progesterone to support our cycles and our metabolism. Most of the women that I work with inside of Warrior School are in their 40s and 50s and are transitioning into perimenopause and menopause. 
So we speak a lot about progesterone today. We also talk about key micronutrients and minerals that we need for hormone function and fertility. I love talking to Lauren. She is a delicious human. She is She just drops knowledge bombs. She is full of such important, cool information. And I really enjoyed this conversation with her today. And I think you're going to love it. Okay, Warrior, enjoy this conversation on fertility, progesterone, and minerals with Lauren Della Cruz. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's nice to be back. I'm excited to talk to you. I would love to start with you just telling me a bit about what's going on in your world. What have you been up to? <laughs> well, I just showed you my two puppies or not one's not a puppy, but I got a puppy, another dog. Um, and so I've been, you know, house training him and integrating him into the family. He's he's great. His name is D'Artagnan. And um, dark for short, uh, but if you don't know, that's from the Three Musketeers. Um, and I've been traveling a lot this summer. I went to Turkey for a wedding. Uh, I celebrated my sister-in-law's wedding as well. So it's just been kind of a whirlwind. Uh, but also I've been working on version 2.0 of my course, Conscious Conception. I'm also working on a mini course for male preconception and I'm also launching a podcast on so <laughs> in one day, um, Monday. Yeah. So I don't know when this will come out, but it's coming out on um, Halloween and not not really on purpose. But <laughs> uh, the podcast I made on purpose, the date that it's coming out is not on purpose. But um, yeah, it's called the Innate Wisdom Podcast and it's really of course, there will be a lot of fertility uh, content naturally because that's the world I work in and live in. But um, a lot about, you know, just reclaiming our ancestral traditions and reconnecting with the innate wisdom of the body and um, really how to support yourself using um, what nature has to offer. And of course, you know, there'll be, it's not only going to be holistic but um i want to get a lot of people with differing opinions and i think that season one will be a great start but um i'm excited to see where it goes oh so much so much uh stuff in there first how was turkey turkey was great turkey is a beautiful place i personally did not like turkish airlines (laughs) but they messed up my the 
the way back like so hard I, I've never had something get so messed up but um aside from that way coming on uh coming back to the the United States um it was an amazing experience the food is amazing the people are great um it's such a beautiful place with so much history um and there's just so much richness everywhere it, it, I really would recommend going there <laughs> have you been I have never been, but I love Turkish food. One of my favorite restaurants in Melbourne is a Turkish restaurant, Mahar, and it is divine. I just love Turkish food. It's so good. It is so good. I miss it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just you'll have to get out there. And uh, Istanbul, I went there and I also went to... Um, a coastal town and I'm not going to say it because my Turkish friend would crucify me because uh, that's where he wants to keep going and he doesn't want anyone to find out about it so <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was beachy and beautiful and um, the weather was perfect and yeah I would recommend anyone go there it's amazing yeah uh, I wish someone could make me that type of food every day <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, there's a really good, I'm sure there's a really good, um, there has to be good cookbooks out there. There's a great Mediterranean style cookbook that my husband loves. It's called Odolengi Sim Simple. Yeah, you know, it. yeah. And that's kind of similar-ish. Um, so you could, you can use that. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, you're stacked on them right now. Like my computer stacked on a bunch of books and the two bottom are Jerusalem and Plenty More, which are Ottolenghi. And I think yes. I first found Ottolenghi when, probably when I went to Mahar in Melbourne. This is, you know, 10 years or so ago. I think they had one of his cookbooks in the restaurant and yes, yeah, so I've been carting them around from Australia over here and I I love them. I use them a lot. Uh, I yeah. love that type of food. So, so good. Mm. Yeah. It's now so I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, and I would love to talk about version 2.0 of Conscious Conception, Uh like what were what were some of the learnings? Like what are some of the, I don't know, can you give away like some of the little secrets about what we're going to find in 2.0? Actually, before we even dive into that, what I was super interested to talk to you about was like you went through a little bit of a reinvention, like you changed the name. And so I would like you to, can you just talk a little bit about that? Like reinventing your business and yourself and- yeah. I know that you're on, you know, that kind of journey right now too, um, which is very cool. I've been enjoying watching from afar. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, so you may know me as innate functional nutrition and that's how I, that's the name I started under, under Instagram. Um, but I think the more that time went on, um, you know, I, I thought it was too limiting. Um, I thought, you know, nutrition is really important, but that's never been the only thing that I help my clients with or students with. And 
it is a big part of it, but I also work on the physical side of things. I'm a certified pre and postnatal coach. And, you know, I also work on the mental side of things too. There's naturally in the fertility and wellness space, the mental side of things is always going to be a big part of things. So I just felt it was too limiting and I wanted something that really encompassed the different phases that I help women with, which include fertility, but also lots of preconception prep, of course, and pregnancy and postpartum because my clients and students do get pregnant and then they become moms and, you know, they, they need support there too in that phase. So um, there's that. And I also wanted something that represented um, male fertility too. And so I thought innate fertility was neutral enough. Um, but I, I think it's more of it better represents the holistic fertility wellness care that I can provide. Um, and so it just felt right. Um, and, you know, with that, of course, I changed my branding, et cetera. But uh, I think the name was the big, the big part. <laughs> yeah, super cool. And from like from this experience and the reinvention, is this how, you know, the the course for males kind of came into I guess, you know, the, the idea was floating around in the universe and then connected with you and you're going to birth this into the world. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I've had so many ideas that I, <laughs> <laughs> um, like my to-do list and my idea list is so long. Um, it just, I'm not, I'm one person, so it takes me just a long time to execute these things. But male fertility course is something that I've been thinking about doing for a long time too, especially, you know, just naturally it, it does take two to tango. It's, and, you know, fertility issues, if any couple struggling, the male side of things is 50% of the picture and women take on so much. And I know that my course students are so committed and they invest so much of themselves into this process. And while I do have some uh, male preconception stuff in the course, I feel like I wanted to support them and their journeys by giving their partners something to also focus on specifically for them. Uh, and so to, to, to just support not only the student's journey, but like their success as well, because, you know, we can do as much as we can as females, but you know, it takes a sperm and an egg to make a baby. And, you know, that's 50% of the picture. And, you know, there's still so much opportunity that could be being missed um, by neglecting that, that male side. Um, so it's, it's really to just help everybody um, put their best foot forward and, you know, get pregnant, feel empowered. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to know some like cool, cool stats or some cool information around that. Like you, when you're talking about like this two to tango and the the male fertility side of it, can you can we just like riff on that a little bit? Like I'm super interested. I don't know a lot about um yeah about it from the the male perspective, but like how important is it? Like what what are some of the big things that you see in your work that potentially might impact um, the likelihood of conceiving? And yeah, could we could we just chat about it for a bit? Yeah, of course. Um, thanks for asking that. Um, so I think you know, well, a lot of people don't know this, but it's almost like inf infertility cases are split into three thirds. Um, 
a third is women, a third is men, and a third is unknown. So if you take out the unknown, 50% is due to male factor. So basically, you know, men can have a lot to do with it. And there's so much interesting research coming out too. So of course, um, you know, there's like this notion, there's this old notion that the sperm chooses the egg. Well, it's actually the egg chooses the sperm and it's kind of like a detective. It detects the healthiest sperm, which is really cool. Um, really? Seriously? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. Um, and so, you know, you need healthy sperm for the egg to choose the right, the right one. Um, but um, there's also other research coming out too, that it doesn't uh, sperm health doesn't just affect you know the ability to get pregnant and usually sperm health is usually dealing with like motility um uh, morphology so like shape uh, uh, ability to move and swim uh sperm count so like is there enough uh there's also like sperm dna damage um and i'm using like these terms so there are more complicated terms but um so like how damaged the sperm is um and those are like kind of like the four things that you can look at as far as sperm quality goes but um and and they're all really important and there are so many things that you can proactively do to support that but sperm health itself can also affect uh how a pregnancy goes and like a woman's likelihood of you know, having preeclampsia, which is a pregnancy complication with high blood pressure, elevated liver enzymes. And if it gets worse, liver failure uh, probably needs to be induced, um, et cetera. So it's kind of like, you know, there's a, it's a really exciting time because we're realizing just how important it's not just the sperm health doesn't just stop at conception. It's actually makes a difference in pregnancy. And, you know, of course the genetics unfolding, uh, as the child grows up, but um, that pregnancy piece is really interesting and exciting. That's so cool. And what what's a, what what affects like all of those things that you talked about, like the 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 quality, the motility, you know, the the four issues that you we see with male fertility. What's impacting it? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is nutrition and lifestyle, surprisingly. <laughs> I, I say that sarcastically. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, nutrition and lifestyle. So, you know, testosterone is a big uh, indicator of our sperm count and how much we're going to be able to produce. So that's a huge part of it. And so testosterone is influenced by usually lifestyle. Um, you know, are we smoking, drinking, uh, are we intermittent fasting? Are we over-exercising, over-training? Um, are we, um, you know, using, uh, having a lot of uh, ke- um, chemical estrogen exposure, like xenoestrogens, um, which are chemicals in the environment and the products we use on a daily basis? Um, you know, are we getting enough? And then the health of the sperm, you know, that all influences the health of the sperm as well. But um Nutrition plays a huge role too. And so uh, sperm health really relies on a lot of micronutrients and macronutrients like protein and uh, carbohydrates. You know, you need to make energy for the sperm to move. So you need to 
the, the sperm needs to have adequate energy to be able to get to the egg. Um, and then, um, nutrients, micronutrients like zinc and CoQ10 and, um, selenium, um, vitamin D. There's so many specific nutrients that can really be supportive of sperm health and influence sperm health in a positive or negative way. So, um, I think that, you know, there's just so much to be unpacked there, but it's never one magic pill either, though. Uh, that's the thing I think, you know, most people should probably take away from this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a holistic and cumulative thing. And when I say holistic, it's W-H-O-L-E, like holistic. Um, it, there's not just one thing that you can do or take. You need to look at everything to really improve sperm quality in a really positive way. And then from there, you know, you can make really little enhancements by taking supplements and, you know, doing certain therapeutic things, but um, uh, there's just so many things. So more coming in my male preconception course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, um, do you have a date for its launch? I wish I did. I yeah. do not. I need to get through these, uh, <laughs> I need to get through these uh, updates to conscious conception. And so I'm hoping by spring, like early spring, it'll be ready to be unleashed. It's going to be a mini course. So I want to keep things really consumable and short, um, you know, for the partner's sake. So, <laughs> Yeah. How cool, Lauren. Such a, such a cool project. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about, Conscious Conception 2.0. I love a 2.0. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, Conscious Conception 2.0 is going to be kind of reimagined. Um, I think that and more mature. Uh, These are good words. Reimagined <laughs> and more mature. I would like to steal those words, and that's what we should do in our lives: reimagine and become more mature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. Um, I mean, as you, it's just kind of natural as you get older, as you not older, um, as you gain. Um, rings on your tree you know uh <laughs> you just kind of look at things from a different light and a different perspective and so um I mean it's still a pregnancy prep course but um I think that the exciting things are really the the structure of the information but also I'm enhancing the information with a lot of the stuff and topics that um I feel I wanted to expand upon the first version, but didn't quite get to. And I'm trying to make it as seamless as possible because this information can be so long and clunky. And so I want to make it as actionable as possible and as clear as possible. And so that's how this version will come out. Actionable, easy to follow, but very research and evidence-based um, and, um, really in depth at the same time, if that makes sense, like really rich, hopefully. Yeah. Is there, is there like a new thing that you're like, I, I had to put that in there from like the learning from the first one, or is like, what's something that like is reimagined, but like 2.0 where it just like, 
it's going to really blow people's minds and really help them? Oh, thanks. That's a great question. Um, I am putting a lot of information um, on egg quality. So like really actionable steps to kind of improve different areas um, that were maybe sort of generalized in the first version. Um, so there's going to be a specific lesson on egg quality, a specific lesson on progesterone production and how to improve that, a specific lesson on detoxification and how to navigate that and the different kinds of things you can detox and exactly how to do it for conception. Um, there's also the whole food prenatal approach, which was really well received uh, in the first version, but I want to add more options um, and also uh, kind of give more options. I review actually a lot of prenatals on the market, so I'm expanding that and, you know, kind of showing people, okay, this is the pro and con of these, you know, different ones, and this is how you could choose the right one for you if this is the route you want to take. Um, there's a lot more on men mental uh, mentality and trauma and stress and the mind um, and kind of, you know, I think it gets a really missed. <laughs> okay, you know, I'm going to get my nutrition, I'm going to work out. And so, but we forget that like, there's all this stuff that really comes up during pregnancy too. And so how can we process that and get our nervous system in a good place before going into pregnancy? Um, there's a three month uh, workout program based mm -hmm. on different levels, which I'm really excited about. Um, and, you know, there's also instructions on how to build your own workout, but I wanted to create something really structured for people to follow. Um, and I think the bonuses are probably some of the most exciting for me, at least, because it's like, I got to dive really deep into these things. And um, there's bonus lessons on uh, PCOS and how to optimize fertility when trying to conceive on that endometriosis, um, the thyroid, all the thyroid issues like hypothyroidism, Hashis and Graves, um, MTHFR, um, you know, for fertility treatments, um, egg, egg freezing, like how to navigate this information if that's the route you're taking or like how to know when you're ready and like the pros and cons of the medications you might be using. Um, what else? Uh, trying to conceive while breastfeeding um, because that's a, you know, a lot of women want to breastfeed while they're in, into their pregnancy. And how can you do that? What are the considerations you need to take into account? How do you change your nutrition? That kind of stuff. And also um, uh, pregnancy loss, um, how to navigate that and, you know, kind of uh, options and solutions and um, avenues to explore and processing that stuff. Um, so I'm probably missing, oh, yeah, trying to conceive over a certain age as well. <laughs> um, so like, is there anything you need to change if you're trying to conceive and you're over 35 or over 40? Um, and what can you do to optimize your health to have the best outcome? So um, that those have been really fun to work on. And um, I'm really excited. And I hope they help a lot of people. Oh, there's so much in that, Lauren. It's... <laughs> That's so cool. There's a couple of things that I'd love to touch on. Uh, progesterone production. How do mm -hmm. we improve progesterone? Uh, 
Can we, yeah, can we talk about that? Because uh, there's a lot of women out there that have a lot of cycle stuff going on that can have issues with their progesterone. Uh, There's a lot of talk around, you know, using, uh, going straight to like using the hormones or the synthetic hormones or the creams or, you know, all of these things. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're, they're not helpful and not warranted sometimes, but how do we, how do we improve our progesterone production first? Like, let's talk about why is progesterone important? How do we know if we're low in progesterone? And then how would we improve that uh, through, well, you're going to, you're going to tell us like the, the <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. Progesterone's really important. Um, it's, it's not only, I mean, it's the pro gestation hormone, so it's really important for implantation. Um, and that's kind of where it gets its notoriety in, you know, the hormone world, I guess, or the medical world, but it's actually a really important hormone to be making as a woman in general. Um, because it's just so important for not only our metabolic health. So it works very much in conjunction with the thyroid hormone and our thyroid. Um, but um, our, our mood and stress and anxiety is also very much affected by progesterone. And, you know, it, it has a lot of uh, synergistic relationships with neurotransmitters in our brain. And so if we're low on progesterone, we might not be getting those really uh, relaxing, feel-good hormones, especially in the luteal phase, which is the second half of our cycle. And that's a lot of the time why a lot of women feel insomnia, anxiety, depression, um, or worse, um, maybe the suicidal thoughts, um, because they're quite low in progesterone. And so um, it's really, really important. And of course, during pregnancy, it, it is important for baby and mom and supporting all the metabolic functions as well as the implantation. Um, so super, super important hormone. Um, the second part of the question, can you remind me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think you mentioned a couple of the signs, like how do we know that progesterone might be low? Uh, you know, ah, sometimes right. we might be thinking, oh, is it just my food and I'm not eating right? Or maybe I'm stressed or maybe I'm not sleeping right. Like those are symptoms. And but are those symptoms signs that something's going on a little bit deeper? Like, how do we know that we're lower in progesterone or, you know, we're not ovulating? Yeah, I think there's definitely a difference, though, I think, between low progesterone and the ability to use progesterone. I think that we could still have adequate progesterone levels, but we just might not be utilizing it well. And so it, it will show up as uh, kind of symptoms of low progesterone. Um, so I guess symptoms of low progesterone, definitely um, PMS, uh, definitely. <laughs> so uh, moodiness, bloating, uh, insomnia, irritability, anxiety, acne, um, what else? Uh, just, uh, also like weight loss resistance. Mm. Um, definitely one of those, uh, low thyroid function, you know, typically if you are measuring that on a lab, um, you will see that or just low temperatures and pulses in general, low basal body temperature. Um, the progesterone rises in the second half of our cycle. And so 
if we're not making enough, our temperature won't rise very much. But also in general, low progesterone um, producers will have just generally a lower set point in temperature in general. Um, uh, what else? Uh, potentially a short luteal phase. So a short second half of the cycle, it, it you know, maybe is 11 days or shorter. Um, maybe we have trouble getting pregnant or maintaining a pregnancy. Um, we might have a lot of allergies as well. Uh, histamine issues could be a sign of low progesterone. Um, let's see. I think that's probably a good place to start. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, those that, are kind of a couple signs. The bit that... Um that you said in there that intrigued me is that we can be producing progesterone but not using it well like what does that mean and how do you know that yeah so hormones have receptors so kind of like you can make hormones and then they have to like park themselves on a receptor um on a cell and so uh, or in a cell and so you know these are kind of like parking spots and if the parking spot is taken by a different hormone, because sometimes hormones can take the same parking spot, uh, but they're different cars and it's like visitors only uh, or residents only and somebody got confused. Um, or maybe it's like a general parking lot where anyone can park and, you know, you beat them to it. Um, so uh yeah. So basically what can happen is um, there are some hormones that can block progesterone receptors. One of them is adrenaline. And that's a stress hormone that we make. You know, if you feel like the butterflies in your stomach, um, that's that's kind of like very much an adrenaline response. Um, but we can have adrenaline um, being produced uh, even when our blood sugar is low. Uh, and so if we have chronic low blood sugar, for example, our body's trying to, and our body keeps our blood sugar in a very specific tight range. Um, so if our blood sugar drops too low, our body's going to release stress hormones, which are glucocorticoids. They work to increase blood sugar as well. And it's a whole survival mechanism that's being turned on. And so our body will release adrenaline and these adrenaline can bind to the progesterone receptor blocking us from utilizing progesterone. And, you know, once in a while, like it's not terrible, but if we're constantly in this state, we're not going to be able to utilize progesterone. And over time, what that tells our body is that it's not safe enough to reproduce. Let me just stop making progesterone altogether and stop ovulating. So um, an ovulation is how you make progesterone. So, um, and we can get into that too, if you want, but um, that's kind of what I mean by utilizing it. And we also have to circulate it. It has to get, be able to circulate through our body. And if we're in a stress state, if we don't have good detoxification, it's not going to be able to circulate very well. So um, that's kind of the, the flip side of it. We can have enough progesterone, but not be able to circulate or utilize it well enough. Yeah. So what are some things that we can do to support that? Uh, the production of it, the circulate, the circulation of it, the, yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, so producing progesterone, our body needs to feel safe. Our body needs to feel like it can ovulate. And so ovulation is really the point of a female cycle. 
it is the intention of what, when we ovulate, we release an egg for fertilization and our body will try to do this every month because it's trying to further our, our biological blueprint is trying to further the, the human race. And so regardless of what our goals are, our body's trying to do this every month and the empty sack will become the corpus luteum that produces progesterone in the second half of the cycle so that if the egg gets fertilized, it can support the implantation of that egg onto the uterine wall. So um, progesterone is being produced in that second half of the cycle and we need to ovulate though to get that. So, you know, that ovulation has to occur and if our body does not feel safe, it will kind of ramp those uh, reproductive uh, processes down over time. It'll say we're not safe enough, don't release an egg, and all these hormones will kind of speak to each other and kind of the pituitary gland will say, don't send any more of this hormone to the ovaries. <laughs> and um, uh, you should see my hands right now. They're kind of like pointing to the different body parts. <laughs> but um, yeah, so safety is really important. And like I mentioned earlier, I was talking about blood sugar. So, you know, I, the the drop in blood sugar and the release of stress hormones to raise it, that's a mini emergency. And that's a, it's a body that is going into survival mode. Even if it is for a short time, it's going into survival mode. And so the more that we push our body into survival mode, the more it's going to think that it is you know, running from a bear. It's a, it's a very primitive, like, um, kind of mode. And it was created to help us run from a bear or, you know, fight in a warring tribe war. Um, and it's, it's helpful in that regard, because it's helped us survive. But also, it's not something that we should be in 24 seven, we're supposed to be able to use that mode when we need it, and then come out of it. But if we're constantly in that mode, then our body's going to shut off non-essential functions. Um, and this can include reproductive functions. Um, so to, to keep our heart pumping and our blood pressure high and our blood sugar high um, so that we can keep running from the bear or the tribal person trying to attack us. Um, so safety is key. And what that means is well, the easiest things are like getting enough calories. Uh, our body's very sensitive. The female body's very sensitive to calorie deficits and um, fluctuations. So making sure you're getting enough calories, making sure you're getting enough protein and balancing blood sugar as well. So, you know, not having these extremely high carb meals without any protein, that's going to really create a lot of blood sugar issues, but also you know, not having protein with no carbs either, like these salads with just a piece of salmon and no carbohydrates, that's also going to create a lot of blood sugar issues. Um, so really trying to be really intentional about the protein and the carb pairing, because that's what's going to regulate our blood sugar. And the amount that you have is very different and unique based on your own physiology and unique, unique composition and like the demand on your body every day the stressors that you experience, but trying to figure out what works for you is going to be really crucial in sort of mitigating those mini emergencies that our body experiences every day. Um, I think also dealing with stressors and our nervous system and how we handle and react to these things is really important. Um, 
I think, you know, there are so many relationship, financial world stressors that anyone can experience on a daily basis. And so uh, trying to figure out coping mechanisms to um, help you deal with those things so that your nervous system doesn't explode every time you have uh, you are exposed to one of these things and you know you go into panic and you feel those butterflies and the, that adrenaline running again. And, you know, I think there is definitely a good level of stress. I think that there's eustress, which is good stress. And like things like working out can be really supportive of hormonal balance, of metabolic function. Um, but then, you know, there's also overtraining and <laughs> pushing too far can also take a toll on our hormone levels. It puts us into that survival state. It says, you know, we've been running for so long. Let's shut down this reproductive function. We don't feel safe enough. Um, and it'll start to kind of really kind of create the bare bones of survival and put all these things by the wayside so that you can keep training at the level you are. But let's say you're not getting enough recovery or you're training for too long or you're doing too much of one kind of training um, that can definitely push our body into different survival mode. And again, it's different for everyone because everyone has a different athletic capability and capacity um, and history too. So there's not one perfect exercise type, although strength training for women is amazing. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Amy. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's a lot of things and hopefully that helps elaborate, I think micronutrient intake is also really important. So um, there are so many micronutrients that can support egg quality, which again, you know, that uh, follicle releases the egg, but the health of that follicle matters so much for producing progesterone because that empty sac, that empty follicle is what's going to produce progesterone in that luteal phase. So how can we support and that egg quality, that follicle quality um, with the micronutrients that it needs and by avoiding, you know, too much uh, oxidative stress uh, type things like smoking, drinking, um, or at least, you know, the, the high amounts of those things. There will always be things out of our control that we can't avoid, uh, but how can we manage it in a way that is sustainable for ourselves and that we feel good about and that supports our hormonal balance. Um, so those are kind of the things I would focus on. Yeah. And this is like, this is important for women who are, don't, don't want to get pregnant, have already had their kids and might be in their like, you know, forties, mid forties, like, we're talking about we still need progesterone. Progesterone is important, even if we have already had our little humans or we don't want to have humans. Uh, that's it's important. Yeah, Lauren. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's so important. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just yeah, I think that that's really important. Is that it's not just to do with you know, your fertility. And if you want to have a baby, it's yes to do with your physiology and your cycle and all of the the signs and symptoms that we spoke about. But a lot of women I work with are, you know, they're already mums. They, you know, they have kids that are five, 10, 15, you know, even older than that. Uh, one thing that came up for me while you were speaking 
What if we have been in the work of balancing blood sugar, eating enough calories, um, you know, eating our protein, managing our stress, uh, and something still isn't quite right? Like, what do we what do we do then? Because I know some women that have been in the work of doing that. Would you say that? okay, there's still something in that. There's still something there that we need to go deeper with the food or the stress stuff because we're seeing, you know, we're seeing these signs or symptoms or would you say that there is, like, would you be looking elsewhere or at something else to support them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, if you're doing all the right things, quote unquote, I would kind of reflect on those to to just see, because sometimes we can think we're doing the right thing, but we're not. Or, uh, you know, we might be, we might have it in our head that we did this thing, but we actually didn't. Like, you know, we, we didn't hit our protein. We're not, we're hitting our protein. We, we think we're hitting our protein, but when we look at our tracker, we're hitting it maybe one or two days per week. Um, so consistency is really important. Um, I think that, and, and, before going to any other kind of like options, I always like to look at the foundations to see like, are we actually working from the best possible platform? Because adding anything on top of that, it might not be successful if, we're, if we don't have those foundations in place um, or it can make us feel worse. So I think just reassessing and being very realistic and honest is really important. Um, and then I think, I think testing is where this could get really helpful. Um, you know, I think understanding the levels, exactly when it's, what level it is, the fluctuations, there are certain hormone tests like the Dutch uh, tests and they have various types, um, but depending on what's going on and what the goals are of the person, I would be looking at probably getting one of those. Um, and, um, because that can provide insight into like, really, okay, this is what's actually happening. Um, and then, you know, there's other options, like you asked about bioidentical progesterone supplementation earlier, and like how to know. And so, I mean, there's no way to really know unless you try until you try if it's right for you. But there are certain things that you can definitely uh, figure out first. And of course, it's, you know, very foundational to have lots of um lots of sleep lots of light lots of rest um have your macros down blood sugar down um stress levels down um and by down i mean like locked in uh (laughs) (laughs) so um not like low (laughs) and um you know, really just have all those foundations and have been doing those foundations for a while, at least six months to a year, not a couple weeks. Like, you know, really we have to have given it a good go and be really solid in what we have because once we also just adding a variable into anything, you have to have a a constant and a control. And so how do you, if you're still figuring out your macros and you add this thing and you feel terrible, how do you know if it's the supplement you're taking or if it's, you know, the, the food that you ate or, um, you know, the, the macro ratio that you were on. So, um, I think that's really important. And, um, 
you know, there's so many considerations and this is actually something I, I teach in the course exactly the dosing and how to do it for the different types of bioidentical progesterone. Also how to know when you're ready mm-hmm. um, because it's so important because progesterone can be converted into cortisol in a very stressed body. Um, and, you know, it, we might be making enough progesterone and not utilizing it well. And then adding more progesterone can just make us feel absolutely terrible. Um, so I think it's really important regarding that and thyroid function needs to be in a good place. And um, there are other things that we need to do to support the progesterone uh, supplementation in general as well while we're taking it. So um, it can definitely be supportive. And sometimes, you know, that supplementation is helpful for getting progesterone levels going again. And it's something that we can take for a short time. Uh, Some women need to take it for a longer time depending on where they are. Uh, For example, like menopausal women, uh, it can be really supportive to just take progesterone in general. Excuse me. Um, But it's also a hormone therapy. So it's something that you want to consider highly before you start because any kind of hormone therapy does come with risks. And, um, you know, if we are doing it for fertility, if we are doing it to get pregnant, I would challenge you to ask the question, why do we need this? And what else can we try to support our progesterone levels? Because are we going to want to take this during pregnancy? Do we even know how to take this during pregnancy? And, um, you know, why not try to solve the issue uh, at hand a little more ourselves so that we can operate freely without progesterone than to have to rely on something? Um, So it's, you know, it's, there's so many considerations and I think it's a unique situation for every person, um, but it can be supportive, but it shouldn't be used for everyone. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of pieces in that that I really love is coming back to your foundation. And I, you know, the foundation is key and I talk about it so much in training, but uh What came up for me is that there's always something in there. You know, we're not perfect. We're, you know, even if we've been in the work for like of it for a really long time, if you go back to that foundational stuff and actually dig and have a look, there is stuff in there. One, we're not stagnant beings as well. There's so much going on in our life all of the time. And so to always have this structurally sound, perfect foundation is, you know, it's not realistic all the time because we've got all of these other, we've got our environment and our life stresses and our relationships and work. And but so I think we can always find something back there that we can reconnect with and really focus on. Uh, and the other bit that I really love is the accumulation of that. It's like, okay, if you're just starting to build your foundation, girl, you got to give it time, <laughs> like a like a while, like at least a year, I believe. And then maybe if you've been in the work for a while and maybe you're in your like 40s, I think that if we make a change, we've got to let that change accumulate. We've got to like gather the evidence for that change and we've got to just try and make one at a time, like you were saying, Lauren. I think that's really powerful is that we just want to do a lot of different things at a lot of different times and we don't know. You know, it's a it's a really hard thing to control uh, and Uh, It's like an experiment. Yeah. Like you said, a science experiment. If we have all of these variables all of the time 
And that's why we're really hard to study, like in the science. That's why there's only like 6% of research on us in the exercise science world. It's because there's a lot of variables because of our hormones. Uh, And so I really Mm -hmm. like the foundation piece and I like the highlighting of the accumulation of the thing that you're experimenting with um, that is really important. You did mention micronutrients and I originally, you know, reached out to you because I wanted to chat to you about like minerals yeah. Uh, and she made, Lauren made a nail post and I was like, oh, that's so fascinating because I have these white things on my nails. And I was like, Lauren, what are these white things on my nails? And then we were talking a little bit about minerals. And so I wanted to talk about, yeah, some micronutrients and some minerals. So when you were just talking about progesterone, you mentioned micronutrients and how they're really important. Can we just talk about like what are micronutrients? Like why are they important? Um, And then can we talk about some mineral stuff? Yeah. So um, I think it'd be easiest to explain what micronutrients are by explaining macronutrients first. Um, So macronutrients are like the, the three big sort of uh, kinds of energy that we can intake and that help us create energy as well. Um, So fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. I'm sure you're very familiar with them if you work with Amy. Um, And, you know, they're very important. They're building blocks, proteins, building blocks, uh, uh, carbohydrates allow us to intake glucose and blood sugar and uh, create energy as well. Very important for energy creation. And then fats are really like nourishing for hormones, um, but also they provide cushion for organs and are really important uh, in sort of the cellular integrity as well. Um, So we need all those. And then uh, we also need micronutrients and these are vitamins and minerals. And they, there are many, many types and most vitamins and minerals, I would say all of them have partners as well that they work with in conjunction. Um, And so for example, Vitamin E works really well with vitamin A and selenium. Uh, Copper uh, works really well with, um, well, you know, and by well, I mean, uh, has strong connections to. Sometimes these partners can um, uh, kind of like act as a yin and yang. So for example, if you have copper, zinc is on the other side and too much zinc will decrease copper too much copper will decrease zinc. Um, But then we have other nutrients where they support the production of this nutrient or support the utilization and amplify its effects. So for example, vitamin A amplifies the effect of vitamin E. So if you're taking vitamin E without vitamin A, you might be missing out on some as strong of a of an effect as as you would just taking it alone and that's just one of many examples (laughs) um but you know i think that there are so many connections and so that's why isolated supplementation which we can also talk about is very you have to kind of navigate that very carefully um but micronutrients are really important and they are so important to helping metabolic functions run. So uh, minerals, um, they're 
different from vitamins, um, but they work together with vitamins and minerals are kind of like the spark plugs of the body. So every car needs a battery and those are the minerals are, are it. And so um, those are really important for enzymatic function and, you know, other nutrients like vitamins can be involved in that and enzymatic function is really important for hormone function. And then hormone function is really important for metabolic function. Um, so we have all these like layers and things. And usually when people think of metabolism, they think of hormones, but it's really comes down to, okay, if there's a hormone issue. There's a model. If there's a metabolic issue, uh, usually there's also a micronutrient issue as well tied to that somehow, whether it's, you know, an imbalance in ratio, uh, deficiency, overabundance, um, you know, so it could be any of those things. And um, they're super, super important for things like egg quality um, and super important for progesterone production. There are some micronutrients that are super important to support hormonal balance and progesterone balance like zinc and copper and um, uh, vitamin B6 and magnesium. And, you know, then again, these are not things that they're, you know, when I say that it's like balance of them. <laughs> so I don't want anyone to walk away from this conversation that we're having at any point being like, oh, she said this nutrient, I'm going to get a supplement with that and start taking that because you probably just going to jack yourself up. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, I love how you say that, Lauren, because that's how our mind works. We like to attach to the one thing and then we we just go hard on that one thing, which then that one thing obviously creates an imbalance. And that's for everything in our life, not just micronutrients and supplements. I'm speaking yeah. from experience here. Yeah. That, uh, so yes, I, I like that you highlight that. So it's the balance of them. Yes. And you know, a lot of these things are going to support egg quality, which supports progesterone production, but also the utilization of progesterone and estrogen and progesterone balance because they're quite like yin and yang too. Um, so, you know, if you have too much estrogen, that's going to be a problem for progesterone as well. Uh, you know, uh, even it's, it's always a ratio too, and these hormones are very much like yin and yang, as I mentioned, but too much of one is not great. Progesterone actually, too much of progesterone naturally can mean you might have like some kind of bacterial issue and dysbiosis, but, um, you know, I think that progesterone is actually, there's, there's a lot of research that says it's really benign if there's too much, or it's hard to take too much progesterone, um, but estrogen, it's really easy to get too much through, uh, our own hormone balance. So progesterone really helps balance out estrogen. Um, again, it's that yin and yang relationship, but also we're getting so much estrogen in our bodies through um, foods, through chemicals, exposure, all that stuff. So again, it goes back to balance. Um, but yeah. Are there some really big ones that you see in a lot of your students and a lot of your clients in a lot of us uh, from a mineral, like mineral deficiency? Yeah, um, there are, well, a lot of women are depleted. <laughs> Just 
period. The um, end yeah. <laughs> that one sentence. A lot of women are depleted, full stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, even in the research, uh, you know, there's research that says most women in their reproductive years are nutrient depleted, um, which is kind of sucks because we want to be, if we want to procreate, um, that can be really challenging. It can make things more challenging, uh, but also just keeping up our hormone levels and things balanced that can create issues like PMS and things like that. And hopefully everything's starting to come full circle um, <clears throat> in regards to that connection. So um, I think the common ones though, I, I mean, you know, I think we can talk about different minerals for different situations. Um, I guess common, common, and do we want to talk about micronutrients or just minerals? You can, you can talk about whatever you want, girl, you go for <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Um, I find that a lot of women are deficient in vitamin A uh, and that's retinol. So a lot of us think about carrots when we think about vitamin A, but that's really not retinol, the one that we really need. Uh, the vitamin A that's in carrots is pre-vitamin A, sorry, pro-vitamin A. Oh, I always mess this up because <laughs> there's too many Ps. It's pro-vitamin A and it needs to be converted into retinol. And our body's very inefficient and about 50% of us have a genetic mutation that makes it really difficult. Hmm. Um, so we're really bad at that, but we might only think that, you know, carrots or things that have beta carotene I have, you know, we're getting enough vitamin A because I eat carrots. Uh, you're not, you're not. <laughs> so, um, and we've lost the tradition of eating organ meats and that's a really huge source of vitamin A. We've also cut a lot of fat out of our diets and, you know, we're eating a lot of more plant-based fats like seed oils and nut butters and all these things. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, and I can talk more about that, you know, if we want, but um, we're missing out on sources of where we would get these important fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A, uh, preformed vitamin A that are so important for fertility. Uh, you know, just um, in animal studies, just uh, withholding vitamin A from animals uh, simulates infertility in both male and female animals. Um, so, it's really important for metabolic function as well. It's it's so important for the immune system. It's the original immune boosting nutrient. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people are deficient. A lot of women are deficient in vitamin A. Um, a lot of women are deficient in iodine as well. Um, iodine is really important. I don't think that we eat enough seafood. Um, and uh, the way that we've sort of agriculture has evolved doesn't really uh, support iodine levels that much. I mean, now we supplement cows and things with iodine, uh, well, salt licks that contain iodine. Um, but regardless, I think that a lot of women still aren't getting enough iodine. And we're also have this other challenge of, you know, these kind of xenoestrogens, these chemical estrogens that displace iodine too. So we have this sort of environmental challenge where things like chlorine and bromides um, and, and um, oh, there's another one that I'm missing. Um, 
but oh fluoride there we go uh all these things that are in our personal care products that are in our water um are challenging our iodine status and iodine is so important for um not only our thyroid function you know because our thyroid uh, hormones have iodine in them, literally. Uh, but there, iodine is also really important for our female function. It supports uh, egg health. It supports also breast tissue health mm. and the health of our tissues and our reproductive organs, like a lot of cysts and things like that, um, develop due to iodine deficiency. Uh, so it's really important for the integrity of our reproductive system. And there's so many women with things like PCOS and uterine fibroids and endometriosis and all these like tissue related, um, uh, tissue related issues. And a lot of that I, I've seen it having to do with iodine deficiency. Um, and of course, you know, a couple of other things we, no one gets enough potassium, <laughs> <laughs> which is really important for blood sugar regulation, uh, really important for blood pressure regulation. And so that is super important and stress as well. Like it supports the stress response. Um, and all of us are chronically stressed too. So we, we need a lot more potassium. Um, I could keep going on and on, but I'll stop there. <laughs> Okay, so we've got vitamin A and we find that in organ meats. So we're talking, you know, we're talking liver here and your organ meats, yeah? Okay, yes. and then we've and, got... And, uh, uh, you know, dairy that's not 0% fat. Uh, we have egg yolks, not just egg whites, um, fatty fish, and I'll, I'll let you continue. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. No, I was going to say, and uh, can we just mention a couple of other sources. Obviously it's not just your, your organ meats, but then uh, what about I like, where do you find iodine? Yeah. Other than something like seaweed, we would find it and, you know, we could find it in some dairy, some eggs, but the strongest sources would be something like seaweed or um, um, sea, seafood, mostly shellfish uh, like, oysters, um, clams, mussels, especially shrimp, um, scallops, uh, lobster, those kinds of things. Fish doesn't have as much iodine. It has some, but the shellfish are really great sources of iodine. Yeah. And then the last one was potassium. Yeah. So potassium is really great. You'll find that of course in coconut water, um, but a lot of fruits and especially tropical fruits, so like pineapples, papayas, um, mangoes, um, kiwis. Uh, so lots of tropical fruits will have high levels of potassium. Um, and they're so delicious to eat anyway. They are. I love tropical fruit. Me too. <laughs> so good. Uh, what about magnesium? Magnesium is definitely important. Um, I find that it's not the most important though, depending on the person. So we have different metabolic types. We have fast metabolizers and um, slow metabolizers. These are kind of the two sort of categories as a hair tissue mineral analysis um, uh, reader or practitioner. Um, 
that I've been trained in. So neither one is best. It's, it's about having a balanced metabolism in the middle of that. But, um, Mm. you know, depending on the type that you are, you might be burning certain minerals higher than others. And so where we can get into a pickle is we have somebody that is already low in sodium potassium and they have a high need for this. Uh, but they take high doses of magnesium, which pushes down the sodium potassium more and it makes them feel terrible. Mm. Um, this is where another, this is another example of where isolated supplementation can get you into trouble. Um, so magnesium, definitely, I think we all need more magnesium. Uh, I would say the priority of which we need magnesium could depend on the metabolic type you are and how you, your sodium potassium levels are. Also how your boron levels are, because boron has a relationship with magnesium and it helps it retain in the cell. Um, so you might need, even if you need magnesium, you might need boron first as well. So, uh, and you know, you don't, you don't want to like take that, uh, take too much magnesium without those things depending. Uh, so unless you know, so um I think that those are a lot more considerations as well, but getting whole food magnesium through, you know, vegetables and milk, uh, milk has a lot of magnesium. Um, there some meats have magnesium too, like beef. Um, but you know, properly prepared vegetables, fruits are going to have magnesium. And then, um, you could also do magnesium baths or, or lotions, uh, which are more gentle, in terms of absorption and can, you know, kind of buffer that response that you might have by giving you too much internally if you take like a supplement. Yeah. And the way that we know is through a hair analysis test, you just said that's. That's definitely one way. Um, There's also a test called the Fulmonti iron panel, which measures uh, the magnesium level in the red blood cell, which is the most accurate. Uh, but a hair tissue mineral analysis would be very good. Or you could just get a magnesium red blood cell measurement. Um, I think probably from like request a test uh, as a standalone marker and see what your magnesium levels are there. I like that. The full Monty. Yeah. The full Monty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we need to know. Yeah. And like, this is why the data and and knowing what's actually going on is really important or being led by someone that can help you figure it all out is really important because if we don't know and we just assume then we're going to create potentially create um imbalances like on a micronutrient mineral level which makes us feel crappy as well and so to truly know we do testing we get clear on the metabolic type, um, on your, like where you are at with your minerals, and then you can create a strategy from there. Would that be the kind of the way that you'd roll? Yeah, I think more information is better, especially if we're dealing with like really severe issues or chronic issues. You know, I feel like people like that have already been testing things on themselves and experimenting. And depending on you know, they may have gotten some successes trying something out and maybe it stopped working after a while or maybe it made them feel worse or maybe they've just been trying different things without any luck. Um, so I feel like testing, especially for those kinds of situations, truly uh, can be really helpful to just see where you're at um, to then actually give you a very intentional 
and specific uh, way to go about tackling things. Um, so totally. <laughs> I think I want to get one. Well, I want to know about my nails. So can we talk about my nails? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, why do I have these white things on my nails? Yeah. So white spots on nails are really common. Um, but usually that can, it's called, um, I think it's called Lucon, Luconica, Luconicia. Mm. I, <laughs> it has some very interesting name. Um, yes. and so, yeah, usually this could be simply due to, oh, I see them. Wow. Just, just these three, always these three on my right hand yeah they don't come up on my left hand very often and it's mostly on my thumb my forefinger and my middle finger yeah that's so interesting do you use that those fingers a lot with anything yeah like I train like that's not my dominant hand I'm left-handed but like I guess I train a lot and so I don't know are, are they is it because I've read a lot of things on on this. Is it some people say it's like bruising, others say it's a, like a deficiency? Like what's your take on it? It could be any of those things actually. <laughs> um, so if you apply pressure to the nail, it can create white spots. So that's why I asked you if you used your that those fingers a lot. So like say you're training and you have a habit of like putting the weight down and like maybe you always hit your fingers that you know multiple times or something like that. That could definitely be like a trauma, a nail trauma. Um, do you bite or if you say, for example, if you like maybe chew on your finger, even not not even bite your nail, but like you know, kind of like by habit, put your finger in your mouth while you're contemplating or something like that. Um, that could definitely be it. Uh, then we have uh, poor digestion po as a possibility. I'm not saying you do, but we need certain minerals and we need something. Well, zinc deficiency is often correlated to uh, white spots on the nails. Um, so what I would be looking at first before looking to increase zinc intake is like, what is my digestive capacity? Um, am I digesting all the foods uh, all the other foods well to assimilate the nutrients properly. Um, and I'd be looking at that before kind of jumping into, okay, I'm zinc deficient. How do I get more zinc? Um, so I, I'd be looking at that. Um, and then, you know, kind of looking at my diet as well and seeing, okay, am I eating zinc rich foods? Uh, Plant-based foods are not great for zinc because they have anti-nutrients that bind to zinc. So if that's the only place I'm getting zinc, where else can I get zinc? And how can I incorporate more zinc-rich foods that are easily assimilated like shellfish and like seafood, which are some of the easiest, highest, and richest um, zinc uh, foods. Um, and even muscle meat's super high in zinc too. So am I, am I getting enough of these nutrients or these types of food? Am I digesting them well? I'd be kind of looking at that. Um, those are the things that come to mind though, when I see white spots on nails. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Okay. Could be a nail trauma. 
Uh, it could be digestion stuff. Uh, and then we're looking at food sources for zinc. So I do eat my shellfish, my oysters, quite a bit of muscle meat. So uh, digestion, what are you looking for there? Like when you when it might be a bit wacky and it could present with something like this, like how do we know if it's a digestion issue? Um, I, you know, I'd probably ask you a ton more questions, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'd be really digging into and asking you personal questions, but, um, I, you know, I, I guess like, do you have bloating? Do you have acid reflux? Um, do you have gas? Do you have, um, sort of a stomach ache and ever, do you have normal bowel movements? Uh, do you get diarrhea often? you know, kind of taking an assessment of digestion in that regard um, and then figuring out, okay, if there are issues, is it more mindful eating practices that we need to implement? It's not just a digestive supplement either. Um, so, you know, before jumping to any kind of supplementation, I'd be looking for how can we make the person stronger than, you know, just dropping another supplement onto their regimen um, because, that sort of self-awareness is going to help in many different ways versus like su the supplement. Yeah. Yeah. So even, you know, as the, as the student or the client or the person, it's like paying attention to your body, you know, it's collecting data and patterns and noticing things, which then therefore, you know, when you go to work with someone like yourself, you have the data there, you have the patterns, you know, you can answer the questions. And so therefore you can develop this really cool plan and strategy and you can get supported, you know, and that's why I'm such a big advocate of like, pay attention, <laughs> pay attention to your body. Uh, and yeah, it's cool, you know, because often we'll connect to a symptom. So I'm just going to use my nail example, and this is just because we're talking about it. But, like, we we have this sign or this symptom, and we just want to know the the one thing that's going to, like, get rid of it, yeah? Like the, the zinc supplement or the one food. But like you just said, and you only asked, like, three or four questions, but I'm sure you ask 30 or 40 questions <laughs> that kind of digs down deep into, like, you know, the person or the system to see what's going on. And then even when you kind of get a picture of that, it's like not, it's not a simple strategy. Yeah. That like, you know, you, there's a lot of pieces to it that you have to like balance things out and change things. And so like, I think the body's amazing. She's so amazing and she's so incredibly complex uh, and it's not a simple I love how many times you have said in the podcast, and you can't just take a supplement <laughs> and you can't <laughs> just take a supplement but, and we can't. Yeah, we've got it. And this is where I think a lot of the friction gets created within us, you know, when we, uh, because we just want the easy way and I totally get it. Yeah. It's like nice just to have an easy, simple way, but the physiology in the body is, really complex and then it's obviously responding to a lot of our environment and our stimulus all of the time so we put so much pressure on her to be like okay this is going to be the one strategy or the one answer and I'm just going to ride this out but 
yet everything's changing all of the time. We're so dynamic and our ability, we just don't have this ability to like dynamically adjust. <laughs> yeah. Are yeah. Just- I, you know, I think that's really well said. Um, and I'm not against like relief care either. I think that can be incorporated into someone's journey. Like I don't want anyone to be suffering just because like <laughs> we have to do it this way and this way only. But, um, you know, I think supplements are there for a reason um but they shouldn't be relied upon or leaned upon so hard and I think we've been trained as a society to compartmentalize that's the way our medical system is also structured so it's like we have this training to look at things this way and so I think part of the process in terms of getting to know yourself and building the self-awareness and kind of pursuing true health in you know, that's going to support you in, you know, lifelong health, not just here and now and quick fixes, because there are no quick fixes, I'm sorry, (laughs) Um, is to learn how to resist the urge to compartmentalize and to reach for that thing, the instantaneous thing that we've also, I mean, it's also a commodity um, and consumerism society, like, we can order anything at the click of a button and it can be here tomorrow or today. And, um, you know, there's so many options available and like, you know, we're being sold to buy more and more and more that not having that as part of the process is like weird. But um, I think the more that we can train ourselves to kind of get out of that mindset and to understand that, you know, this might it's more sophisticated than that and the body is is beautiful um and sophisticated in itself and it knows what to do it just needs sometimes um it's so innately smart and wise and it has our backs but sometimes it just needs direction or like a little bit of support in the right way and so the more we can give it what it needs and we have to become self-aware to understand that the the easier time we're going to have communicating with her um, and understanding how to support ourselves uh, Mm -hmm. from from day to day from year to year from season to season Um, so I think that that is really important yeah I love this piece uh, around sophistication and direction Uh, and this is kind of going to link us into closing today but you know part of our responsibility is to like connect with ourselves, understand our body, you know, pay attention, listen, allow, receive, um, you know, educate, marinate in that. But then I totally get that there's a point where we need some direction (laughs) with that. Like you said, right at the start, you know, there's so much in, there's so much in all of this stuff physiology, hormones, metabolism, thyroid, like, you know, all of the stuff you even mentioned in conscious conception, like that is, that's a lot of information. And it's our responsibility to like one, take action to learn and then listen and connect with our body. But I love this piece around like sophistication, like, you know, working with you or taking conscious conception creates this like sophisticated direction of information which then like just strengthens our strategy so like there's you know 
a lot of the work is on us because obviously we're in our body and we have to listen and, you know, do the work. But the beautiful thing about your work and what you're creating with all of all of your stuff is this sophisticated direction, which then therefore creates simplicity because it's not it's not always it's not always that simple when it comes to physiology and it's definitely not easy and so i just really want to i want to highlight and you know you create such beautiful sophisticated direction with all of this stuff um and yeah thank you thank you for the work that you do oh that's so sweet <laughs> thank you so much that's a huge compliment and um i think going back to what you said i mean the goal is to get you to know you better. And I feel like the simplicity comes from that. And so if you know what you need, if you know what your body needs in this moment, then it's less confusing. Like, you know, you, you know exactly what to do. Um, and you know, okay, I need a snack right now, or I need to rest today. And it doesn't have to be as complicated. This sounds so simple, but um, you know, once you can start building that communication line with with your body, um, it become it can become that much more simple. Uh, so, I think yeah. that's where the the I think that's exactly what you're trying to say. And the beauty the beauty of it is is like the the solution is in yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I I love that, Lauren, because, you know, at the start, I don't think it's simple. It's not. Yeah, like the body's a bit of a mess. There's a load of information. There's so much shit going on. It's like it's not meant to feel easy and it's not meant to feel simple. And I say this to my women in training all of the time. You're meant to feel that friction. It's meant to be hard. It's meant to feel messy and chaotic. Like this is like that's the important part. But it's not going to be like that always, especially right. if you're working with someone that can give you some direction, that can lead you through it. Then you get to this point where you truly know your body and you know what it needs and nothing externally shakes that. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my women the other day. It's like I can be anywhere, hear these conversations by people, you know, from other people. You know, when you're somewhere, I've been doing a lot of sauna sessions and the conversations that I hear in the sauna are extremely interesting. And a lot of it's about health and like diet. And but I just listen with like, you know, a little bit of entertainment and curiosity. It doesn't shake my belief in what I do because I truly know that my strategy works for me because I've like spent, you know, over a decade developing it and I, you know, you pay attention to your body and your markers. And so you know in yourself that like what you're doing is working for you. I would say if you get like shaken by a lot of this external stuff that you need to do two things. One, find someone that can lead you. <laughs> in creating a strategy for you and then two you got to block out all the noise and it's only got to come from this very small like wise counsel whether that's a coach or someone leading you or a course like Lauren's where you learn and then that's it that's your container and nothing outside of the container comes in especially at the start when you're trying to develop your strategy and you're trying to learn about your body uh, and so, yeah, that's just what came up for me in that last little bit of our conversation. Yeah, it makes so much sense, too. And I love the way you put it. Um, the, the chaos, uh, I feel like it's almost like when you turn on a radio and you're trying to find the right um, 
oh gosh, the bright tunage. <laughs> I haven't actually, uh, you know, done that with a radio in a really long time. But, um, you know, you get, you get the static and that's the chaos. And then finally, as you get to know yourself better, as you refine and um, become more in tune with, you know, what your body needs and wants and et cetera, that, that song on the radio or the, the message that you're hearing is super clear. Um, so it just, of course it takes time. It's a journey, but um, the goal is to, I think, get to know yourself better because as, if once you have that North star, you can't really be shaken. Um, and it just becomes, that's when it becomes simple because you know exactly what you want and need. Mm. And when is Conscious Conception 2.0 out? Oh, I don't have a date for that either, but... <laughs> I'm putting a lot of pressure on you today, aren't I? Like, when are your courses out? <laughs> um, I'm working very hard on it right now. Um, it's coming out within the next two months. I'm crossing my fingers. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'll have more of a date to share and details. Um but I'm trying not to put a deadline on myself because um, then I'll get it on. I feel like I get uninspired. Uh, so, <laughs> and I, luckily I have the luxury to be able to do that, but um, you know, I think it'll just be that much better. Uh, so I, I hope to release it to the world in the next two months is what I'm going to say. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. To create, a beautiful big baby that you birth into the world and you want it to be as helpful as possible. Uh, and I just, I'm putting that pressure on you because you're so good at what you do. And I, I think that everyone needs to do, you know, your courses. Uh, so learn, you. <laughs> learn what you have to share. Uh, but in the next couple of months, you know, 2.0 will be out. And then Yes, if you're in partnership, in partnership with a male and you are on the fertility journey, her male course will be out, you know, when it's ready, fin when it's finished baking in the oven, okay? <laughs> yes. It's uh it's gestating right now too. <laughs> yes. And your podcast, your podcast is gonna be out on Monday. Uh and so uh you can listen to that as well. In, yeah. the, in the meantime, why you wait for the courses? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lauren, I'll let you go back to working, working today, working on conscious conception, I assume, or walking your dogs. Uh, I'm it was go eat. okay. You're going to go <laughs> eat. I'm also going to go and eat as well. Okay. So let's break. We'll go and eat. Uh, and then I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. Uh, I love talking to you. You are just a knowledge bomb. You just you're just full of knowledge. Knowledge bursts at your seams, and it was a pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me, Amy. This is it's always a pleasure talking to you as well. And I, I love the vibration you bring, and it's just so great. So thank you for having me. Oh. Okay, let's go and eat, okay? Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, Lauren. Bye, Amy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.